0: because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. So welcome everybody. This is Young and Profiting. We're doing a Yap Live on Clubhouse. This is gonna be a masterclass on how to gain influence and win any negotiation. And so we've got some amazing speakers coming on today. Jason Waller, he's the CEO of Power Home Solar. He's a billionaire. Jennifer Cohen, she is a huge fitness influencer. Heather Monahan here, who is a confidence creator, best-selling author, major speaker, keynote speaker. David Meltzer, he is the CEO of Sports Marketing One. And then also John Lee Dumas, he's one of the biggest podcasters out there. So super excited to have all of these folks with us, it's gonna be a conversation slash Q and A. And so it will be a guided conversation by me, especially once more of the moderators come on. And then, you know, we're gonna be asking questions from the audience. So if you have any questions on how to gain influence or win a negotiation, please raise your hand and you'll be one of the first to answer your questions. So start raising your hand so I can get you guys up on stage and while we're getting our few folks in while people are are getting in here i'm going to just kick off the conversation with heather so Heather, let's talk about influence. And I think this is something that you know a lot about. And really a big part of it is just being likable. A big part of it is first impressions, right? And and I personally feel that a first impression can almost last a lifetime with someone. And if you make a great first impression, you've made a great influence on that person and they'll think of you in a high regard. So let me hear your thoughts about first impressions and then I'll I'll share mine as well.
1: Sure. You know, obviously, first impressions are important, but the most important thing is really being yourself. You know, when you show up as the most true, real version of yourself, you're going to have the most connection with somebody else. Oftentimes, I see people, if they're nervous or they're trying to dress a way that they typically wouldn't dress because they're trying to impress someone influence somebody else that always backfires. And I, you know, I've seen it happen so many times versus when someone just shows up, you know, dressed the way they like the way they like to wear their hair and, you know, the colors they like. And when you show up as yourself, you really begin to connect with people and influence all begins with that, you know, initial connection, whether it's the first time you meet or, you know, whenever you're spending time with somebody.
0: Yeah. So I totally agree. They say that a first impression, it takes like 14 seconds for somebody to make a first impression on you. And then it will take years to break that initial first impression. And so one of my favorite authors, his name is Dr. Jack Schaefer. He was actually the first person to ever come on Young and Profiting Podcast. He taught me something called an eyebrow flash, head tilt, and a smile. And basically that, you know, when you see somebody for the first time, you want to walk straight up and then you want to tilt your head, flash your eyebrows and give them a smile and tilting your head and actually showing that part of your neck that, you know, is really, it's like basically... Showing like in the animal world, it's like showing that part of your neck means that you trust somebody so much that like they could basically like kill you because that artery in your neck is so important. And so when you tilt your head, your neck, it like you know people just trust you more. So that's a tip: a head tilt, eyebrow flash, and a smile.
1: Well, what that's really based in is in vulnerability, right? And anytime that you are vulnerable and you show up to a conversation explaining oh my gosh, I just had the worst morning and here's what's going on. And sharing that, you know, honest, real, transparent version of yourself, that's exposing your example of that, that portion of the neck. And there's so many ways to do that. And that's one of the fastest ways to really connect with people.
0: Yeah, I love that. So Jennifer Cohen has joined. Hi, Jennifer. Do you want to just introduce yourself?
2: Uh, I, absolutely. I'm, you just did it for me. I'm, I'm Jennifer. Nice to meet you guys. Heather, I've heard a lot about you. Nice to meet you, kind of. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I just wanted to add a little uh, piece to what you guys were just saying. First impressions, I think, are important. But what I think is even more important are last impressions. Because when you meet somebody, the last thing that they're going to remember after they meet you is that last 20 seconds of how you made them feel. I think actually first impressions could actually be changed throughout that experience. If you're, and your last impression is usually much more effective to how that person, like I said, for, like, remembers you by
0: yeah, I think I think that's a really really amazing point. So awesome. Today, if you guys are newly joining this room, we had a little bit of tech difficulties. There was two rooms somehow open, but we've got the other one closed. And now we are recording a live session for Young and Profiting Podcast. It's on how to gain influence and win any negotiation. We're gonna have amazing speakers coming in and out for the next hour and a half. David Meltzer, John Lee Dumas, Jason Waller. Everyone's gonna be uh, showing up. All right, so let's keep the conversation going. We talked about first impressions. Let's talk about how to gain influence when it comes to social media and an online brand, both you, Jennifer and Heather, you guys have amazing online brands. Heather, you are one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn. Jennifer, you are crushing it on Instagram. So talk to us about gaining influence online. Is it different than real life influence? Uh, What do you guys think about that?
2: So, yeah. So basically, I was going to say that number one, I think that online, offline, very, very different. I think like to what Heather was saying about first impressions, I think it's very similar to even gaining a following on Instagram or anything as being authentic. People can sense and feel when you're disingenuous, when it's fake and the people who usually gain the most traction and really kind of grow organically is when they're just being real and showing their life as it is. Cause I think a lot of times we, we what happens a lot of times is we go on social media and we, we post a very small sliver of, of our life and the best version of it, which I think is, has a lot of other, you know, it can be very um, damaging a lot to other people who see that and then judge themselves and compare themselves to that. Um, I think by just being true and being real and showing the ugly as, as well is what people are really gravitate to. I mean, um, LinkedIn's a whole different animal and you guys can share on that. I, I really haven't spent much time beyond just very superfluously that, but That's how I feel anyway, when it comes to Instagram or giving them information, I should also say that is valuable. So not just vanity things, a picture selfies, things like that, but things that people can actually like gain insight and valuable information, be it in the health space, in the business space, whatever that is, give people something that they haven't maybe yet have heard or seen.
0: Yeah. I love that, Jennifer. Heather, what are your thoughts? Hala, I wanted to say that I
1: really rely on data when it comes to social media to see what's working. So one of the things I noticed was during the pandemic, the things that used to work on social really didn't work as much. And it makes sense, right? Because as events occur and people's mindsets change and challenges change, we need to change with the times, right, people need more support right now, more encouragement maybe more teachings and direction now where before, you know, when I look at data from 2019, I would do a post about giving a big keynote and me being on a big stage. And those posts would do amazing. Today, if I share wins, they do okay, but nowhere near as good as if I post about my struggles. And so, you know, relying on data, you've got to have some type of a tool, some type of insights so that you can understand What is adding value, resonating, and delivering for your audience?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great point. People love to hear about struggles because it's relatable, right? They can they they'll feel for you, they'll feel connected with you, they'll also feel like you're being real and not just showing all your wins and bragging all the time. So I think that's really important, especially when when gaining influence online. So before we get into the next topic, I do want to introduce Jason. Jason is one of my clients. He's also the CEO of Power Home Solar. It's a very successful uh, solar panel company. So Jason, do you want to just quickly Introduce yourselves uh, to the audience here.
3: Absolutely, and thank you. Sorry I was late; the link wasn't working. Excited to be on here. How to gain influence? Also, negotiation class—that's kind of my my deal. Super excited. Check out our company, Power Home Solar. Getting ready to probably go public in a SPAC is what we're looking at. So, super excited about that. And uh, in the renewable energy business, got a podcast going, writing a book. Heather's a mentor for me on the book writing. Hala manages the podcast, and hopefully I can bring some sales negotiation and motivation to the table. So thanks for having me, Hala.
0: Amazing. Jason has such amazing energy. I'm so happy that you're in this conversation. So since we've got two sales gurus right here, Heather and Jason are, are two of the best sellers that I've ever met in my life, let's talk about negotiation in sales. So Jason, let's start with you since you put yourself on the hot seat. What are your best tips when it comes to negotiating a deal?
3: I think confidence is key. I think looking someone right into their face, if it's in person, if it's going to be in Zoom, you need to make sure you're not reading, but that you have a pitch ready, whether you've memorized it, you're passionate. Passion is felt, it's not said, it's not heard. They have to feel it. People buy on emotion. So if they feel you're excited about something or they feel that you're passionate about something, then they're going to buy. And if you're negotiating You never negotiate against yourself. You let other people bid against themselves. Don't go in there with the first price or the first bid anytime ever. Always let them come in first. That would be my tips.
0: So you're saying never, never tell your price first. You've got to wait until the person says their price. Cause no,
3: I'm talking two different aspects. So I'm saying if, if you're selling something, you need to be confident and have your pitch and tell the price. If you're negotiating a deal between somebody like we're going to buy your company or, you know, what do you think this is worth? Something different like that. You never want to, or you're buying a house. You never want or selling a house. You don't want to negotiate against yourself. You want to make sure that they bring the first offer to the table so you know where their head is, where they're starting, and then you can beat that up. You don't want to open your mouth first in a negotiation. Anytime you're selling something, they're two different things. You want to have confidence, and you want to make sure that you're passionate about that and build value in the product, so therefore, they're going to, it doesn't matter what the price is.
0: Gotcha. Heather, what do you think?
1: Jason brings up some really good points there. I agree with everything that he said. You know, I just started teaching a course at Harvard, as crazy as that is, uh, two weeks ago, and yesterday was our second class, and one of the students brought up an example of a negotiation that she was in, and hearing how she had hit, she was stuck. She didn't know how to get beyond an objection, and she really felt she had hit a stalemate and I'll tell you, for me in negotiations in business, I have found that I rely on story to get me out of difficult situations, right? So if you find yourself in a situation you're saying, uh, they're not coming around to my way of thinking, they're just not getting it, share a story. And this is to Jason's point around emotion. When you can get people out of their head and out of the analytics of something and get them to relate to a story, you can take them on a journey in their mind which can really change a conversation in a very emotional and very powerful way. The other thing that I would suggest is always, 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 this is my number one goal in any meeting, and there's there's two things that I would suggest to you. Be an active listener from the word go. There is science behind this. When you are actively asking curiosity-based questions about another person and allowing them to speak and nodding your head and parroting a little bit back to make sure you're hearing them correctly, their brain will begin to emit dopamine. And when that's something that happens when people do drugs, right? Like that's how powerful this tool is. Active listening is the biggest Jedi mind trick move you can pull on someone because you begin a conversation about business, you open it up through great questions and curiosity and genuinely paying attention and wanting to hear a response. And now you have begun, their brain is now emitting dopamine and that person is saying, wow, this person's amazing. I, I love talking to them because you're actively listening to them, which happens very, very rarely throughout our day. So that's tip number one. And tip two is the whole goal when you sit down with someone, If you're trying to sell something or negotiate something is to have them empty their glass. So my goal is I want to know every possible objection, every possible concern, and I want it all laid out on the table in front of me so I know what roadblocks I'm up against and and then I start planning in my mind how I can overcome them.
0: I love those pieces of advice. The thing that I like the most or like what really resonated with me was when you were saying that you you ask them a lot of questions. So I think that goes back to getting people to like you. When you ask questions to people and you seem interested in their life, whether it's about work or their personal life, they start to like you because they feel like, oh, this person really cares about like my life. And people just generally love talking about themselves. So if you get somebody to talk about themselves, they'll like you more. And then you have a little bit more power in the negotiation because they like you more. And then secondly, listening and silence means that they have to do the talking and information is power. In a negotiation, information is your power. So I uh, totally think those are great tips. Jen, do you have anything to add here?
2: I mean, I think you guys both said, everyone here said exactly what I would have said, which is the, well, the act of listening, is I think is extremely important. And people do love to talk to them about themselves. Which makes them feel connected. So, yeah, I, I just have to second everything that both of you said and keeping them talking as much as possible. And the less that you speak has always been when I'm the most effective. Like when I speak the, the least amount in that type of uh, environment, always is, like I said, the most effective.
1: You know what? That's I, I want to bring up one piece of advice that one of my clients shared with me. She had a problem doing what Jen just described, which is staying silent in the moment and not speaking. She used to get very uncomfortable. So she went and bought one of those, you know, squeeze stress balls. And she disciplined (laughs) herself to whenever she felt uncomfortable on a Zoom negotiation with someone she'd put her hand underneath the table and just squeeze it as many times as she needed to until the other person spoke. And it was a great, you know, catch all for her so that now she had a way to stop herself from speaking.
2: Yeah, that that is so true, right? Because I think people get very uncomfortable and very, very awkward when, when there's silence. People don't like that feeling of silence. And, you know, if you can do any kind of tip or trick like that to even remind yourself that it's okay. That's a good one though. I like that. The stress ball.
0: Yeah, I do think that's a good one. Okay, so just to remind anybody who is newly joined here, my name is Hala Taha. I'm the host of Young and Profiting Podcast. This January, we were the number one trending education podcast across all apps. I'm also on the cover of Podcast Magazine. So thank you all for joining us. And thank, shout out to Club Pod for hosting this event. We really appreciate Steve Olsher giving us this space. And as a reminder, this is a recorded session. It's gonna be going on my podcast. So thousands of listeners are gonna get to enjoy this conversation as well. So, we're gonna get to questions and I'm gonna ask for your consent for recording so that I can put you up on the podcast. The first person's question we're gonna take is Saksham. If you can please keep your question to two minutes, make sure that it's concise so we can get to as much value as possible today. How can we help you? What's your question? Saksham, you're on mute. All right, let's skip to Naomi. How can we help you? Oh, thank you so much, everyone. Um, I'm about
4: to start a podcast and I'm just so inspired listening in on the room. And if there is one thing you could share with me as I begin this journey, what would it be? Thank you.
0: You're starting a podcast, you said?
4: Yes, Heather. I am launching my podcast in two weeks.
0: Okay, perfect. I can I have a podcast too, so I'll I'll kick it off. So when it comes to podcasting, you have to understand that it's a long game, right? Unless you're Jason and you're a billionaire and you have me, you're not going to be top five entrepreneurship podcast in a few months like I was able to do for him, right? And so it's a long game and you need to be prepared that your first couple of years is going to be a lot of work, a lot of reps, a lot of investing, your own money, your time, your smarts, your creativity into this project. and your first couple of episodes aren't going to be the best. You're going to have to get better and better and you're going to have to learn how to, how to market your podcast if you want to be successful. And so I would just know that it's going to be a long game unless you've got a lot of money to invest in your podcast and unless you already have some sort of established community and to know that it's going to be that struggle. And for that reason, you really need to know your why. You really need to know why you want a podcast. You need to have a mission bigger than just downloads because if you have the struggle of, putting on this podcast for several years and you don't really know your why, it's going to be easy to give up. Uh, Most podcasts, you know, if you go on the Apple app, you scroll through, most of them stop after episode seven and that's because they don't get a lot of listeners, they get discouraged and they just give up, right? But I encourage everybody who has a podcast out there not to give up because there is room for everyone, but it is a long game in terms of acquiring those listeners and kind of making your mark in the space and it takes a lot of work and effort and like I said, Marketing. You can't expect for your podcast to go up on the apps and for people to just find you. Like, that's not how it works anymore. The market is saturated. And the last thing I'll say is that it's not all about Apple anymore either. The industry hasn't really caught up with that. A lot of people still think that Apple's everything, but it's not. You know, most people are listening on YouTube, CastBox, Overcast, all these other apps. If I go poll my listeners. Mostly they say they're not listening on Apple. And I think Apple's less than 20% of my downloads now. And I think Apple's quickly fading. And so while it's important to kind of, you know, want to be new and noteworthy on Apple, it's not the whole thing. And I would encourage you to open your eyes to the other things that are going on in this space. Heather, Jason, Jen, all of us have podcasts. What do you guys think?
3: Well, I'm going to jump in since you brought me up and said that, you know, oh, a billionaire spends all this money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You. You
3: have to advertise and you have to market, but you have to have the right team. Like, you know, I hired Hollis team. I was struggling the first four or five months doing it. I mean, I had fun doing it. I loved it. It was a release. I run a corporation with almost 2000 employees and, you know, we're in 11 states. And so I need an outlet. I need somewhere I can have a release and speak about motivation and talk, you know, be real and raw with people and, and give advice and, and, I needed that, so that I started to do that, and it started to take off a little bit. But then I was stumped. You know, I'm green, and it's waters I'm not used to. I'm like, well, how do I really promote a podcast? I can promote on social. I can, you know, promote my business. How do I do that? And so, you know, when I met Hala, you find the right team as you're starting to grow. And like she said, it's a long game. This isn't a short game. This is a long game. And. You know, I've been blessed, you know, spending a little money advertising, marketing, having the right people on my show, talking about the right things, having the right partners like Hollis team. And then, you know, a lot of people that you bring on the show that that you go on their show and they hear it. That's kind of how you start to grow it. But I think if you have your why and you know what you want to talk about, it doesn't matter if it's big or small, as long as you're impacting somebody. And you're having fun doing it, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. And I just want to clarify one thing Jason has a lot of raw talent. So the other thing that you need to do is have like a likable personality, raw talent, and the smarts to have a good conversation. Like I go on a lot of podcasts now. I get invited on a lot of podcasts and some people just like don't have the confidence yet. They, they don't know how to guide a conversation. They don't have relevant things to say to the conversation. And that makes for a rather poor episode. Like you're never going to stand out. And so you've got to put in the reps. You've got to put in the practice. Jason had other practice just in life, being a CEO, running a team, doing speaking events. And so once he had a podcast, he could command the mic and people wanted to listen to him. So I'd also say like get practice and it doesn't necessarily need to be on a podcast, but you need to have practice speaking and engaging with people. Sorry, Jen, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say also talk about things that you actually know about. I think that a lot of times you're trying to fit like a circle into, into a square. Like I think at the beginning, uh, cover things that you are genuine interested in that you are genuinely curious about because that that curiosity uh, feeds into the conversation and it's like I said it's genuine and you ask better questions that way and also if you are very knowledgeable about what they're talking about is another thing right because to Hollow's point if you are kind of new at this and you don't know how to guide a conversation it can be very uncomfortable the other thing I would say is don't be going into podcasts if you want to make money. I think that money will hopefully eventually come if you're if you know, down the road. But what is the reason behind it? Are you just wanting to share something with the community? Are you just trying to genuinely like, network and meet people, which it also is also a great way to when you start a podcast, it's a great networking vehicle. Understanding those things make it much easier and better as you go.
0: Totally agree. Heather, do you have anything to add? Sure.
1: I've got a quick story to share on this. And it's really about, you know, we talk a lot about getting a big audience and getting a lot of people to listen. But sometimes the most amazing things happen with it doesn't even matter how many people listen. Right. A lot of people develop really tight, small communities that they sell products to or they invite people onto their show that open doors for them. And this is actually the story I wanted to share with you. I was interviewing Jesse Itzler and he wouldn't let me come to his home to interview him. He only wanted to do it on zoom. My show was only a couple months old back then, but his internet kept going out. So he had his assistant text me. All right, forget it. You can come to our house and interview me. I'm embarrassed that the internet's so poor here. So I flew to Atlanta, went to his house, interviewed him. We hit it off and became friends. And fast forward a couple of months and he and his wife Sarah Blakely were getting interviewed um, live on stage in Boston and they were in a meeting with the speaker company and they said we're gonna throw 20 names in front of you you guys decide who you want to interview you for this event and my name was in the mix and so when my name came up he said oh that's Heather I know Heather pick Heather we want we, we know Heather let's go with Heather and it was such an interesting thing for me to see. I never thought a podcast was going to open doors for my speaking career and really launch me in a way that I, I never foresaw. So getting yourself around the right people, inviting the right people onto your show and creating and forging relationships with them can open doors for businesses you never even imagined.
0: Young and profiters. They may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash YAP. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I totally, totally couldn't agree more. I can't even tell you how many doors podcasting has opened for me. I feel like literally I was able to quit my job because of podcasting and I've made a whole business out of it. So uh, podcasting is amazing. Naomi, I hope we helped you. Uh, Thank you so much for your question.
4: Oh, thank you, everyone. My notes are full. I'm truly, truly grateful for the time and all the wonderful, wonderful insight. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Frances, you're up next. What's your question for us? Hi, thanks. My question is for Heather and Jennifer.
5: I wanted, uh, I'm going back to something y'all were talking about earlier. You mentioned on your social media presence with balancing, showing the good and the bad. And how do you balance that and how do you decide in terms of what could be perceived as negative, not being too negative or um, too much information, how revealing you get in terms of sharing on social media?
2: Okay, I guess I'll start. I think that's a very good question. And I think that's that's something that people think about and, and are curious and wonder about that all the time. I don't think any of us have really figured it out, but I think what you have to do, it becomes a little bit of trial and error, right? That's why when I when I initially said the authenticity piece is so key because people pick up on that genuineness or that ingenuine, uh, that feeling that, that's, that it's phony. So I think that people like to know your daily struggles that are similar to what they're going through. And I think it's like feeling the climate that you're in, right? It's really hard to... Certain things like politics, things like that are very are can be a very tricky topic. So to err on the side of caution when it comes to something that's that could be something in the overall culture of what we're dealing with at the beginning is something I would try to steer away from. And like I said, I think showing your personal flaws of like or how you're dealing with something or what you're how you're how you're kind of yeah, how you're dealing with something, I think that's the kind of the openness or the flaws that I think that are, that are okay. Personally, I mean, there are things like certain things like I family things. I mean, there are people who overshare, I, I think, but a lot of it becomes trial and error. And then, and then kind of guiding from what you do post and, and what you, what, what kind of content you do have, how people are responding and reacting is a really good gauge of where you, where you should turn your attention to, right. And where people are not are not engaging is where maybe you should kind of take a step back and then recalibrate.
6: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Let me jump into, I, I agree with everything Jennifer just said, but I also I'm real and raw and I probably say too much a lot of the time. But, you know, I don't sell ice cream, so I can't make everybody happy. I just have to try to be (laughs) me. So it's I'm that same way no matter what I do, you know, running a company. I'm not the most polished. I don't have the education. I didn't finish high school, go to college. But people know what they're getting with me. You know, it's real. I carry my opinion and my thought and my heart on my shoulder. They know that, you know, I'm not going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. When I say something, I mean it. And, you know, so everyone knows where they stand with me, good and bad. And I think that that's important. And I, and I share a lot of that and some of my personal life because people want to be, you know, when they're listening to you and, and and they're getting to know you, whether you're being an influencer or you're running a company, they want you to be humanized. They they want to feel relatable to you. They want to know that, that you're a real person that has real problems and real family and real things going on. That is very important. And so Politics is hard. I talk a little bit about it, you know, where I stand. I don't get too much into the weeds, but that's a tough subject. Politics and religion are tough, but everything else I think is you just got to take it a case-by-case scenario and and see, but you have to let some of the guard down so people can relate to you.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Jason. So really quickly, I saw that David Meltzer joined the room. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. Do you want to just introduce yourself to everyone?
7: Sure. First of all. Hello, Jason and Jen. It's so good to see you guys. Hey. Uh, Hi, I, you? buddy. I, I'm excited to see
3: <laughs> you in March to film season two, baby. That's what I'm ready
0: for. And Heather's here, oh. too. You're one of your good friends, oh. too.
7: Oh, she's right above me. The, oh, she's one of my faves as well. Hey, anyway, I'm Dave Meltzer, entrepreneur, speaker, author, uh, humanitarian, on a mission to empower over a billion people to be happy and just happy to be here to answer questions I can leverage about a hundred million dollars of dummy tax. So that's what I bring to the table. I'm one of the biggest failures you'll ever meet and learn lessons from it. So you don't have to lose that money. And I'll teach you how to make money, help people and have fun all at the same time.
3: And David's one of the most kind people I've ever met also. I mean, he is so humble, so kind, you know, I lean on him as a mentor, such a good person, just so people know that. Oh, thank you.
8: Yeah, same here. It's Katrina. Hi, David.
7: Oh, Katrina. I can't see everyone. Hi, Katrina.
8: Yeah, David's amazing. So whatever he says, I would definitely eat it up.
7: <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, let's get some questions.
0: Yeah, let's go. Actually, I'm going to throw it back to the mods really quick because I want to make sure this is the most action-packed value session possible. We were talking previously about tips when it comes to negotiating a deal in sales. And so since Jason and David joined late to the conversation, David, I'd love to hear your top tips for negotiating a, a sales deal.
7: Yeah. So first of all, there's three real rules in negotiation. Number one, never negotiate to the last penny. Two, always be fair. And three, don't do business with dicks. Uh, And when I say dicks, I mean someone with a closed mind. It's going to take you a thousand times the energy to negotiate with someone with a closed mind as it does to someone with an open mind. The key to negotiation is to come prepared with what value you can bring and what value that you're looking for and prioritize each of those lists of values so that you know where you can give up and what you can give up in the name of abundance. So going in with faith that there's more than enough in the deal for everyone and every, everything in the deal. But most importantly, I think it's energetic that you know, it's one capability to articulate value that exceeds the value you're asking for That's a great component if you're capable of articulating a value that exceeds the value you're you're asking for. But I think there's an energetic component to it. I know this will resonate with my friend Jen over there in the corner, but I believe that I carry the same 120 energy in my deals. That energetic, I'm certain in beyond my own conscious belief in the articulation of that value, but even subconsciously and unconsciously, I'm carrying that frequency, that authenticity that, hey, look. I'm here giving you more than I'm asking for. And can you see any reason you won't want to move forward? So I think if you follow those tips, you will exceed the expectations of you, your clients, and others by creating abundance, by truly believing there's more than enough in the deal for everyone and everything. And that seems to resonate and come true in more deals than not for me today.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you brought up mindset and all of this, because I think having that right mindset, having pure good intentions, being on that high frequency in terms of your vibration is super important. And David, I know that you're all about like a fast, high frequency. So can you tell us more about that? Like what makes a good frequency? Why is that important when we're meeting new people or influencing deals, making new friends? Like, why does that matter?
7: So frequency is exactly uh, relative to vibration and it's my philosophy or understanding that vibration allows us and it's directly related to awareness and the fact that we can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us. Therefore, if we're enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential, increasing our vibration or elevating it, plateauing and growing each day, by understanding what our frequency is, by starting by looking within to see what we want outside of us, that we can be aware of more things. And awareness is critical because we understand where people are coming from. It makes us more gracious, more forgiving, more empathetic, more accountable. Uh, Accountability tells us when to buy or sell. It also reveals different deficiencies that exist in other people or interferences, voids, and shortages that we may want to avoid. It allows us to trust people, but still be confident in vetting them. And for me, frequency not only is important in the negotiation side of things to raise awareness, because awareness is the most valuable thing we can have, but it's also critical in building your brand. And so I know the other thing that I stepped into or walked into when Jason and Jen were talking you look, your frequency is your signal. And the greater your frequency, the stronger it is, the wider the spectrum you'll reach and the clearer the message. Remember, it's not what I say, it's what you hear. And all the content that I provide, I love when I'm not clear. And the reason I love it is I just crack up that people aren't hearing me. I I did a Robin Hood video about the stock market. And I clearly indicated in my mind that I was giving my opinion about the stock market. And yet, Uh, You know, it was a very popular video, but it pissed off a whole bunch of people because it wasn't what I was saying, it was what they were hearing. That is all relative to your frequency, your vibration, and your awareness. And so I spend a majority of my time actually looking within. I meditate, I have a stop, drop, and roll methodology to regulate what I call a baseline of my day. I, I believe everyone has ego based interference all day long. It's those people that can spend minutes and moments in the ego-based consciousness compared to those people that spend days, weeks, months, or years there that truly use their free will to clear the connection to that already exists, that abundant world of more than enough of everything for everyone.
0: I think that's really powerful. Does anybody else have anything to add when it comes to mindset and things like that?
3: I think just like David said, I mean, meditation is something I just started doing myself recently. I love it because I'm such a high strong, high-energy person that I have to be able to calm it down because sometimes my passion or my excitement can come across as irritation or being allowed. And I think when you're negotiating or you're in, you know, you're trying to do deals, you know, we're talking to private equity companies, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan's and, and what we're going to do next, right. For our business. So, you know, I have to tone it down and know my audience, you know, I need to know when I have to shine, when to push, when to pull, when to kick. And I think it's important to have that mindset, not only know who you're dealing with and know your customer, know your audience, but have the mindset of what your real goals are. And I feel like every deal, if it's a right deal for both parties, it's a little uncomfortable for both. That's a fair deal. If somebody's really happy, then somebody's probably not as happy. It's got to feel a little uncomfortable to be a really fair deal for everyone involved.
8: Yeah, I think that's a, a really great point. Hey, Hala, may I add... Sure. to what David was saying and thank you David and Jason uh, I think this is the second room I've been in with you both and you guys have been givers and David also spent some time with me um, after that and I just can't even tell you how appreciative I am of his support and those three tenants of negotiation really you know always being fair and making sure that it is um that you're really thinking ahead and thinking about it being a win-win and not negotiating with dicks i thought that was Brilliant, but I also the the energy. I, it's so refreshing to hear uh, people talk about energy and resonance. And as I've gotten more into my own path of energy and really understanding how to move it throughout my body, it's also helped me in order to uh, mirror and be you know put my voice in the right resonance for the right room rather than being, you know, overly aggressive or um, outstanding, as I I typically am as well, Jason. So I've learned to be able to tone it down and be able to engage those mirror neurons of the people that I am engaging with and uh, be more effective. So I just wanted to echo that and reinforce the seeing the things that are unseen and seeing that we do live in an abundant world and coming from that place of abundance only brings more of it.
0: yeah i I totally agree I think those were great pieces of value that you shared so thank you for sharing that and um, if I could just add to that, I think when it comes to putting your best self first in, in any sort of meeting or in any sort of negotiation. That you're with someone, if you truly believe that what you're saying is true and you have good intentions and that you did the work and that you're prepared and that you truly are the expert and you've done all the due diligence, you're not faking it till you make it, right? Like, I hate that piece of advice, fake it till you make it. You're the real thing, right? Then you feel that confidence. And I feel like that's portrayed and people just trust what you say more because it's real, right? I think people can smell a phony. What do you guys think about that?
7: i agree (laughs) i (laughs) love you dude i agree look that's what clubhouse to me my favorite thing about it is the truth vibrates the fastest and the people standing in front of cars that they don't own and bragging about houses that they rent it just exposes themselves here i love listening in here and i can feel the energy of people just going this guy's full of shit And you may not have realized it because you saw the best eight seconds of that person for the last three years on video, in a well-produced video, and very entertaining and elevating. Uh, But Clubhouse is real. It's raw. And if you're blowing smoke up people's asses, they're going to find out really quick because the truth, especially on Clubhouse, vibrates the fastest.
1: Diane, Uh, well said.
8: Agreed, 100%.
1: I just wanted to add that, you know, in confidence is important, right, in any situation, especially when you're going in for a negotiation, feeling that you're prepared and confident, et cetera. However, sometimes when you can't push forward, you may have to draw some lines and risk walking away from a deal entirely. I'll never forget when I pitched myself for a VP of sales position that didn't exist at the time. I knew it was best for the company. I had seen the opportunity through my boss's eyes. I had laid things out. There was no reason he should say no. And in the end, he kept saying, no, not right now, not right now. So I went and got another job offer, came back to that meeting, back to that table with him with all of my confidence and with you know a lever I could pull, pitched him again. And he said, no, again. And I said, well, then I'm giving my resignation. It's been great working with you. And he said, hang on a second. He excused himself from that negotiation, made a phone call, came back and said, I'd like to offer you the VP of sales position. I said, where did you go? And he said, I had to call my father. I can't make this decision on my own. And that taught me a really important lesson. It doesn't matter how confident you are, if you're not dealing with the ultimate decision maker in a negotiation, you can't afford to take a no from someone who can't tell you yes.
7: I can jump in with that real quick. Hey Heather, it's Jeff. Hi Jeff. I can't, I was just about to say, make that same point. I'm sorry for jumping in, but I wanted to run. But
3: I have a
9: note in front of me saying, um, make sure you're talking to a person that can say yes. Everyone can say no, but only one person can say yes. So I felt I didn't want to just let that sit out there because
7: I, Heather and I have worked together in the past, and she's brilliant, and she's a mentor of mine too.
0: Thanks, Jeff. I think that's a really great point. Okay, so I'm going to reset the room really quick. My name is Halataha. I'm the host of Young and Profiting Podcast. We have a live session right now that's going to go on my podcast. It's How to Gain Influence and Master Negotiation. And we're going to be doing a live Q&A. So everybody who I call up on stage to go next. Juliet, you're gonna ask your question next. If you can please be short and concise so we can get to as much value as possible. And uh, please give your consent for recording as well. Juliet, you're up next.
5: Thank you guys so much. Hala and Heather and Jason and David, this has been awesome. So I have a podcast called Next Stop Crazy Town. And my question for you guys is to gain influence, how do you, what do you think about the video aspect of it and YouTube? Like I do, you know, I promote on all the social medias, but I haven't jumped to the video aspect because where I'm recording is like in a closet. It has the the best sound in my house, but I don't know if it's like important to kind of jump and figure that out. So I'm just curious to what you guys think. Thank you.
1: I believe in testing things, Juliet. You know, there are some people For me, video, I don't do very well with video. It's surprising, but it just doesn't seem to, it's definitely not my strongest content. However, you look at some people and all they do is video. So I think you need to test for yourself as well as, you know, different platforms are gonna do better with different things. You might do better with video on Instagram, not on LinkedIn. I just think keep going and you want to continually test. And here we are on an audio platform, right? You know, two years ago, everyone in media was saying video is the only thing. And here we are on a platform that excludes video. So it's just keep moving forward. Keep testing things as you go. Keep innovating and see
5: what works for you. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. Because my next thing is like, so when I am doing the videos, like I have people that will say, oh, wait, I'm on a video. I don't want to do that. So I probably would have to get like, I don't mind that I'm in the closet because that's real, right? I'm starting a podcast as, you know, in my busy life, I'm doing it. I'm loving it. And I want to show people how I love it. Sorry, you can hear my dog. But I also, it's something that I probably would have to get consent for. Is that correct? No, I mean,
1: all you do is when you reach out to invite someone to your podcast, typically they're going to ask you, is this audio or is it audio and video? And I always let my guests lead. Whatever they're comfortable with makes me happy because they're going to add more value and be more comfortable on the show.
0: So I totally, Heather, I love you, but I disagree with you on this one. I think that video is the way to go and you should figure out how to do it as soon as possible. I personally started off with audio. I regret all the interviews I did first with just audio only. Like I just can't believe that I didn't capture the video because that video micro content performs so much better than audiograms. Audiograms perform terribly. So yes, the quality of the actual podcast that goes up on the apps, it's probably going to be the same with the exception of the fact that when you're on video with someone, just even, seeing them has a better flow, better conversation. I found that my relationships are much stronger with the people that I did video interviews with than the people I did audio for. Like I can easily contact the people I did video interviews with and they remember me and they're nice to me. But a lot of the, you know, when I first started, I was getting big guests from the start. Some of the people that I first interviewed, like don't even acknowledge me if I email them. And that's because I didn't make that relationship with them. And like we mentioned earlier, podcasting is also about building relationships. And so for that small piece, even if you don't use the video, I would start doing video so that later on you can do micro content and so that you build that strong relationship. So
5: I do, um. I record, I do have all the video recorded. I just don't um, use it as, cause I, you know, then send the audio to my editor and he does any kind of um, editing. It's usually not a lot cause it's like a conversation that I'm having. It's like two friends sitting down or two people that just met having a conversation as I interview them. And I do, I 100% agree with you because it's. I always tell them like, we're going to do it over Zoom. I'm going to see you because it's the best way for us to feel the most comfortable. Like when you see someone, you feel more comfortable. So I do have it. I just don't use it. So you're saying that I should really just figure out how to use it. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think on social media, it's going to perform better than an audiogram would, but then again, promotional content just doesn't perform that great on social media anyway. So it's like, you just, you need to play with it. Like Heather was saying, it's, it's really up to you, but at least for the networking, I would have your video on what you say that you do. So you're good there. Jason, what were you going to say?
3: I say you can, you have to do everything. So I'm a believer of, if you're going to market on everything, that's the way you do it. It's scorched earth. You stick the biggest nut out you catch all the shrimp you can you market it on linkedin you market it on youtube you market it on twitter you market it on instagram facebook you name it you have to do it all day every day in order to start building a brand whether it be your company or your podcast i'm a big believer in that because each each platform is a different pool of people that will listen to your podcast that will follow you that will want that information so whatever when you're not doing video and you're not doing that you're missing you know think of it a fishing pole now you got a net when you do everything so i'm a big believer of do everything that you can great thank you so much guys
6: can i really quickly add i'm gonna hop in with a question later really 30 seconds hola if you can allow me to Juliet, um, this is not podcast, but um, one thing that I've done, I have a two year old at home and I, I hardly find time to, or space, a uh, pretty space to do this. But one thing that I've done is even on Zoom calls, I, have, I bought this green screen. They're not very expensive. And I put it up on my closet at the very back, pushed out. And then I have a ring light in front of me. I put as much space as I can between me and the green light. And I use that as a, as, as a backdrop and I can play with that later and my video editor can play with that later. And that can be another hack that you can use because for me, I can't always use the great space that I may create out in the living room or whatnot. And sometimes I have to resort to closet as well. And even in my Zoom calls, I do that and it,
0: it, it can turn out great. So just wanted to add that. Thanks, Cree. Thanks, David. I think you were about to say something. Did you have something to add?
7: Yeah, just for everyone, taking a step back from what we're talking about, it's just a matter combining what everyone says of capturing the content in audio and video. I also suggest everyone transcribe all your content. So just using AI platform like Rev, Make sure that you get what you have in word form because in the future, as you can see, things are searchable by words. And if you want people to you know, search what you're doing, uh, video, audio, the word backdrop is essential, plus SEO and some other marketing tricks you can do by transcribing. But there's four things that you just have to concern yourself with. Capture everything that you do as much as you can in video, audio, and transcribe it. Modify it the best that you can. However much, you know, not everyone's rich like Jason. You can't afford to do everything. Oh, my um,
3: goodness. <laughs>
7: <laughs> but uh I, I believe in modifying everything I do to every platform, just like Jason, and then amplifying it through all of my channels, all of my great friends here from Heather and Jason and, and Katrina and just amplify it everywhere and use your partners by personalizing it so if i do a podcast with heather i'm going to make sure i create content of heather on my podcast and she does terrific on my videos so i'd love to give you a little bit of coaching, Heather, because if you're doing terrific on my videos, I'm sure you'll do terrific on yours. And then after you amplify it, most importantly, why I transcribe it is to create a perpetual strategy. Luckily, I'm the oldest one on here, so I understand time better than anyone because I've lived the longest, meaning that it's not necessarily what people are watching today. It's when you get engaged with me and you become an ambassador uh, with me that you may go back in three and a half years ago, I posted something that's going to resonate and impact you. And so I have, most importantly, a perpetual strategy, which is why I think video is so powerful. Audio combined, but transcribing, it's even more. I just recently actually have my own search engine so people can search any issue and find all the content that I have. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't transcribe it as well. So video, audio, and transcribe, capture, modify, amplify, and perpetuate.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Jason. Juliet, I hope that we helped you. Thank you so much for asking your question. This is Young and Profiting Podcast. I'm Hala Taha, the host of this show. I've got with me Heather Monahan, Jennifer Cohen, Jason Waller, and David Meltzer. If you guys are enjoying this conversation, please tap the plus sign on the bottom of your app, ping your friends into the room, let them know that this is a great event that we're having right now. And if you have a question, please raise your hand so that we can bring you up on stage. The topic, of today is influence and negotiation. Shelia. what is your question? How can we help you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, so my question honestly might
2: have potentially already been answered with just the last information that was kind of dropped. But basically,
5: I recently launched a podcast called Side Hustle While Serving, which is basically a podcast for active duty military people who are launching Side Hustles While Serving. And my question is, like in an
2: overly saturated market market of podcasters, what are some other ways to build exposure? But I think, like I said, a, a piece of it might have already been answered with these guys saying, like, make sure that I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and all these other places and capturing videos and word forms. But, like, should I be reaching out to influencers or some other things as opposed to, like, my own platform?
1: I would say that, you know, when you, if you reach out to an influencer and ask them to be a guest on your show, you know, and you're featuring them and then they go ahead and share the content when the show comes out, that is the most ideal situation. I had Gary B on my show as a guest. He shared that content 20 different times and it spiked my downloads. So for me, that was definitely one of the most positive impacts I had is finding someone with a large audience and listen, they don't always share it. It's up to them if they're going to, but when they do, it has a huge impact on, on your audience.
0: Cool. I think that's great advice. Thanks, Shilia. Um, Okay, so I'm going to ask a question to the moderators. I want to make sure that we've got very actionable advice on the topic of influence and negotiation. Let's talk about body language, right? So body language is super important when it comes to gaining influence, when it comes to negotiation. What are your opinions in terms of the type of body language that you should portray, let's say, when you're going into a sales deal and you, and you want to win the deal? Maybe Jason or David, do you want to kick it off? <laughs>
7: First of all, body language is an indicator of your your energy or your frequency. So number one valuable thing you have in a negotiation is your smile. You know, it, it's amazing. We do not want to create more resistance than already exists in a negotiation because fear is always present in a negotiation, fear of loss. There's this feeling as if if I get something, that means you lose. And so what we want to do is through our body language and our energy and our frequency, we want to resolve that interference. We want to resolve that resistance. And so a smile is a key way of disarming people. And then secondly, eye contact. For me, smiling and continual eye contact are the two most important components of body language. And then more importantly, you know, there's three types of listeners. There's in a negotiation, there's an interrupter. Which they're not listening to one thing you're saying. They're difficult to negotiate and all they care about is interrupting you. Two, the more difficult person, to me, less obsequious, is the uh waiter, you know, is the person that pretends like they're listening to you, but they're just waiting to tell you what they think. And it makes it very difficult to negotiate with a, a waiter. And, th- and then there's a person who processes and that hears you and listens to you, and all the other body language that I have beyond the smile and eye contact is indicative of being present and interested, not interesting. And so if you take those three components, your smile, your eyes, and the body language that says, I'm interested, I'm not an interrupter or a waiter, uh, you're going to have incredible success by disarming and reducing the resistance that is natural occurrence in a negotiation.
0: I love that. I love the fact that you brought up eyes. I just want to share something really quickly that I learned from Chase Hughes. He's an FBI agent that I interviewed a few times and he taught me something about blink rate. And essentially when you're first meeting someone and you know it could be on a date, it doesn't have to be like some professional setting. If you just take like, notice how often they blink And when they're blinking really fast, that means that they're unengaged. They're not interested in what you're saying. It's time to move the topic over. And so if you notice when people are blinking really fast, that's always a cue to like switch the topic or that you're not really performing as well as you could be.
3: I'm going to have to steal and use that, okay? Because I think when I talk to like my wife or my kids, man, I think they blink all the time. I don't think they listen to anything I say. So. David that's that's great advice on the body language. I love that I every I'm going to piggyback exactly what David said. I'm also going to say that when you're sitting down there, you know, we we teach our energy consultants and I've come from the home services field where we door knocked and then we telemarketed and now we do digital marketing and we send someone into the home to do a in-home presentation and we tell them like David mentioned, you want to disarm that customer. You want them you know, you're walking in, even if they raise their hand and said, I want to learn information about this product. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm interested in solar. Come show me what it's like. Right when you walk in the door, their fence is up, their guard is up. And you have to find a way to bring that down. You have to engage them, talk to them about things that they like, listening to them, asking them questions. Don't seem too salesy. You know, when you start to bring that guard down and making a friend and build trust, it really becomes a lot easier to to walk them down the the lane of of you know being interested in your product. But if if you come in and you're too pushy and you're you're just too much, that those days are old. Like those you know, let me come into the house and those those hard close sales, that, those don't exist anymore. That you know, this isn't the old car dealerships. This isn't the old way of of selling. People have information on their phones they can download and do reviews and 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 do research and check everything that they need to check so you need to find a way to have you know be credible be honest look them in the eyes be confident keep your shoulders back keep your back up and be able to engage in real conversation i always say passion or like jennifer mentioned earlier storytelling people buy an emotion so when you're able to relate a story to what you're offering that guard continues to come down and they listen. They're engaged because it's like a movie or a commercial. It's not somebody just you know, talking to them about something that they're nervous of, of getting, getting into that they don't want to deal with.
0: Yeah, I think that's really great. Heather, you are the confidence creator. You've got to have some advice in terms of body language. Yeah, one of the things
1: that I think we need to call out is that everyone's doing negotiations on Zoom now, right? Which is entirely different than in person. So a few things that I found really helpful is to have great lighting. You know, when people, you wanna appear bright and like David said, you wanna be smiling. You wanna be really mindful of how you come across on Zoom and also be mindful that the people you're negotiating with, they might've just come off of eight back-to-back Zoom meetings and they're over it, right? So how are you gonna get their attention? How are you gonna snap them out of that rut? Maybe they're kids in the next room on Zoom school, AKA my life. So, you know, you want to be empathetic to them and you want to have done your research and be aware of their situation. (laughs) One of the things that I found really powerful during this time is standing for me. When I do a call or a negotiation standing, I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to be more likely to smile. I'm going to be more likely to be really engaged and also use my body to illustrate my words and tell the story, not only with my words, but with my body And that envelops people that really pulls people in and it has a really positive impact.
0: I love that, Heather. Thank you guys so much. For everybody who newly joined the room, you're listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. I'm here with Heather Monahan, Jason Waller, David Meltzer, Jen Cohen. I was uh, just on and John Lee Dumas should be joining us any minute now. Um, I think this app is having major glitches today, unfortunately, uh, growing pains of this uh, really cool app that we all love. If you guys have a question for any of the mods, please raise your hand. We'll pull you up on stage. The topic of today is influence and negotiation. I'm going to kick off the next question is from Tiffany how can we help you? when it comes to influence one question that I have is what tips do you have to use any influence you have wisely and then I just wanted to give my flowers to David because we've worked with him previously because I am a publicist at Press Pass LA thanks I think, I think that's a great question so you're saying like if you have influence already how, like what is your question exactly can you elaborate? if you have influence already how can you use your influence wisely?
7: wow Well, first of all, thank you. You know, everyone has influence, and, you know, the segmentation of that influence is so important to realize that, you know, for me, even when I started to build my brand and had the great help of Jen and Heather, I know you two were involved very early it was those types of people that assisted me because I kept the focus of who I truly was influencing, what my purpose was. And that was to empower Heather and Jen to empower other people and for them to help me empower other people. And so I think whether you see yourself as an influencer, it's not whether or not you're an influencer. It's how am I going to influence and what frequency or what message or mission do I have? For me, it's simple now in this stage of my life, it's happiness. So, you know, I'm very clear on utilizing and empowering other people, one person at a time, but making sure that I give it the consideration and energy. And it's not easy as it grows and grows to make sure that you personally are responding to the emails and the DMs and the comments and figuring out, you know, systematic ways to be cryptic or cut and paste certain responses and identify what people are asking or have the right introductions. But everybody in here is an influencer and you just don't know how impactful you are to one person with one statement. I can't tell you is your audience grows, you'll see people will tell you, oh my gosh, four years ago, you told me to say thank you before I went to bed and when I woke up and here's what's happened in my life. Thank you so much for reminding me to do that or some other really simple things. Dennis Waitley, who's an old school sales trainer of mine, pretty world famous, probably in his 70s or 80s now, he had a great statement that said, I'm planting seeds under trees I may never sit under. And so whether or not you consider yourself an influencer, my biggest suggestion would be not whether you are an influencer Who do you want to influence and how? That's the bigger question to ask. And when you get clarity, balance, and focus on that, you can have an extraordinary influence that will have a great impact far beyond what you'll ever even imagine.
0: Thanks, Tiffany. I think that was a great question. I hope that we helped you. If you guys are gaining value in this room, please tap the plus sign at the bottom of your app, ping your friends into the room. We're going to get to the next question. The next one is from... CEO, lawyer Ali Awad, how can we help you? You're on mute. Okay, I'm gonna hop to Cree. How can we help you? Hi, oh my god, I'm a big fan of Hala and
6: Heather, but so glad to be hearing from Jason and David and Jennifer and everyone else in the room. Um, Hala, you always put together such a powerful room that is chock full of insights. So kudos. So first of all, I give content to record. My question for now is, do you think a podcast can perform just as well when done solo versus with a guest? I'm starting a podcast. It's called The Career Curveball with Cree, and it's all about helping corporate females to pivot. Um, into entrepreneurship. And um, my problem with inviting guests right now is that I have commitment phobia because my time is so fluid with a baby around me. Um, so instead of postponing until God knows when, I'm starting to record all solo episodes and I'm about six episodes in. So should I keep going or can it perform well despite the lack of guests amplifying the reach?
3: Can I, I want to jump in first. Can I jump in first? Of course. I do both. I have a, a Thursday show that comes out where I interview and then Monday I have a, what they call an underdog underbites where most of the time I'm solo. Sometimes I'll bring a co-guest that interviews me or we just chat and believe it or not, the individual ones perform better than the guest ones for me. So I think that there is a platform for that. As long as you have content and you don't get weirded out talking to yourself, like you're, you're talking to the camera, you're doing your own thing. I, I don't get weirded out doing that, but as long as you can give, a, you know, talk about something, give influence, give information, give tips solo like you're doing a live, I think it's fine. I think I think there's room for it and I think you'll be okay. That's my opinion.
6: I mean, I love live I love videos and I love camera and I love all that. And i I can talk to myself because it's a topic that I really am passionate about, but every almost every podcast I listen to. Um, There's always a guest on, and it's probably just me. I just haven't found many solo
0: monologues, I guess. So I'm just really, really curious. Yeah, there's definitely solo podcasts out there. And I think right now, like my advice to new podcasts is, is always like disrupt everything. Like everyone's doing an interview show. There's not that much more room left for another entrepreneurship interview show, you know? So I would get creative. I have a friend, his name is Brian Ford. He's got self-improvement daily. It's daily two-minute tips in the morning. And he crushes, he gets millions of downloads. He has no social following and it's because he disrupted everything and he did a two-minute daily episode. He's got consistent content. It's just him. And he came up with a unique idea and did it differently and, and he got a lot of attention for it. So I would recommend that you... Just do whatever you want. There's no rules to podcasting. Thank you so much. Hey, App Fam. Starting my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass was one of the best things I've ever done for my business. I didn't have to waste time figuring out all the nuts and bolts of setting up a website that had everything I needed, like a way to buy my course, subscription offerings, chat functionality, and so on, because it was super easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your first product, finally taking your side hustle full time, or making half a million dollars from your masterclass like me. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify has got you covered as you scale. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to other options out there. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US from huge shoe brands like Allbirds to vegan cosmetic brands like Thrive Cosmetics. Actually, back on episode 253, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Thrive Cosmetics, Carissa Bodnar, And she told me about how she set up her store with Shopify and it was so plug and play, her store exploded right away. Even for a makeup artist type girl with no coding skills, it was easy for her to open up a shop and start her dream job as an entrepreneur. That was nearly a decade ago. And now it's even easier to sell more with less thanks to AI tools like Shopify magic. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way so you can focus on the important stuff, the stuff you like to do, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting, and that's all lowercase. If you want to start that side hustle you've always dreamed of, if you want to start that business you can't stop thinking about, If you have a great idea, what are you waiting for? Start your store on Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Shopify.com slash profiting for $1 per month trial period. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Thank you, Cree. Okay, we're going to take the next question. Everybody who is tuning in right now, you're listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. This episode is actually going to go up on all of our podcast channels. If you want to hear yourself on Young and Profiting Podcast, raise your hand to ask a question and we'll help you as best as we can. So Wesson, you're up next. How can we help you?
4: Hi, everyone. How are you today?
0: Good, thank you.
4: Good. So my question is, you guys have been talking about just, you know, clients and just going into like customers' And doing with that? My question is totally different because I'm listening and I'm like, okay, so these are all well. I have a question about like speaking to referral partners. If any of you can like, you know, have an idea of how to approach a referral partner and not having them saying right away that, oh, I want to be partners, you know, with you in your business. And that's how I'm going to give you my business or what's in it for me. And when I explain to them, like the value that I bring and and like you know how i'm going to make them look good in front of their clients how their clients are going to love them because of the process how i'm going to like you know ease their process and and their you know the insurance is not going to hold back their closing and you know they're going to have more closing and all that stuff i still always get i want to be partners with you so how do i overcome that
3: i tell people i mean i've had many times where people like i want to i want to be partners and do things and they did I just say, I'm not looking for a partner right now, but I can definitely work out a referral program, anybody you send me. But, you know, I always, especially if you're building a new business, I was never making money. I'm always reinvesting. You know, you pay your people first, you pay your vendors second, you reinvest back into your brand or your business third, any small extra lift, you get to take a portion of that maybe, right? So I would Mm -hmm. let them know, like, I'm struggling, I'm reinvesting the business, there's no room for me to bring a partner and I won't afford, I can't afford you but I can you know, pay you for a sales fee or a referral. I mean, I'd just be blunt and honest. You know, they, they people, you know, they leverage relationships, family, friends all the time. Sometimes they feel entitled or they want to kind of force their, their way into stuff. And I've learned the last few years to really stand ground and say, I can't do it, sorry, but I don't mind helping you out with this. And then moving on, they're not going to argue with that. It's just, and you're not rude for saying that, but you got to be blunt.
4: Right, but Jason, um here's the thing, like I have like you know said no to all of them and every person that I said no to that has approached me this way would not like refer me any of their business. So I'm just getting stuck here. That's all.
9: Okay. Can, can,
7: can I jump in real quick? So w- one other approach is to ask first when someone wants to partner with you, ask what that looks like and then ask what they have done in the past or are doing today that is aligned with what that looks like and what success they have, what they like about it, what they don't like about it. And if you can get them to explain those things to you, what you'll be able to do is to create and re-engineer their vision of that partnership to align with what's best for you um, by utilizing transition statements like, would it help you if I did this? Would it help you if I did that? And in construct, instead of looking at the definition of referral partner and full-blown partner, utilizing a compromise and understanding and appreciating what superpowers those people have and how you can align, utilize them synergistically or supplementary to what you're doing, that you may find that in some respects, you're cutting off opportunity by having such a black and white vision of a partnership that doesn't really exist. So uh, the suggestion I would have is be a little bit more interested than interesting on what that looks like. See what's working for them today, what's not working for them today. See where your capabilities, your skills, your knowledge of who and what and your desire are aligned with synergistically or supplementary to what their aspiration is. And see if you can't utilize abundance and reengineering to actually transform what they want into more of an amalgamation of your referral program without using definitive terms, black and white terms, separating terms, and closing off the business as you have. And you always have the backup offer. If there is no alignment, there's no synergy, no supplementary interest or skills, capabilities or desire, you can always give an offer after learning about what they do, you'll see their mind and their energy open up to you. You then have a better statistical success in suggesting, well, maybe we could walk before, I mean, sorry, maybe we could crawl before we walk, before we run. I can see how this may work, but I'd love to see how we work together, see how our values are aligned. Does that sound fair? And I think you'll have much more statistical success and at least leave the doors open when somebody doesn't get what they want from you. But I have a feeling that you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table with so many people that want to partner with you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Wesson, for your question. If you guys have a question for us, raise your hand. I am getting notes from my team that hand raising is glitching for people. So sorry if that's happening to you. Keep trying because we are able to sometimes see people raise their hand. So... um, I believe, Caroline, you're up next. How can we help you? Hi, guys. Thank you so much for adding great value. I love hearing Heather, Jason, and David and Hala speak. Um, I just have a very simple question. Who is your biggest influence? You're saying just like who, who do we look up to? Yeah. So who would you consider a great mentor of yours? Maybe uh, share who has really shaped your professional career, essentially?
1: I would say probably my son, right? Being a mother, especially now that we're working from home and he hears all of my calls and my meetings and sees what I'm doing. You know, for a long time, I wasn't pushing myself out of my familiar zone. And that was easier to do when I was away at work and not around him. But it really challenges me and pushes me more now that if I want to preach to him, you've got to go for more, you've got more potential within you, don't leave it on the table, you've got to go all out and take risks, then I need to be living that every single day. And that's the biggest motivator and influence for me that I have.
8: Awesome. I love that, Heather. That totally resonates
0: with me because I'm a mom too. Thank you for that. Thank you, Caroline. Okay, I'm going to post... I would say... Oh, go I ahead, mean, Jason. I love
3: what Heather says. I mean, my kids motivate me. My wife motivates me. But I mean, I have... In different aspects, you know, I have the president that works for me, someone I brought on two years ago, got more wisdom than I do. He's built billion dollar companies and power Home solar is my baby. So I brought him on to really help build corporate structure and really build a foundation on the accounting team and to really mold me and mentor me and and be there to keep me between the buoys because I can be a little reckless. And, you know, I lean on people like David. And people, you know, when it comes to, you know, gratitude and and how he speaks and how he's so loving and he's so humbled from getting to the top, going back to the bottom, getting back to the top and knowing his story and and how he appreciates life. And I I got to meet his family and how he loves his family and holla on the podcast side. I mean. I think it's important to have a lot of mentors and coaches, you know, Heather has coached me on, I need to get out and do speaking engagements. I need to work on my sizzle reel. I need to do a book. And so I hope I have that influence on some people too, but I love to be coached. And then I love to coach where I can. I just think it's so crucial to surround yourself with people who are different and yet better than you in different aspects. So you can learn from them and really be your best self.
9: Oh, oh, oh,
3: oh, and, and my CEO coach down there, Brian Elias, I just noticed he was in here too. So I give him some love. He's my CEO coach that I that we used to do breakfast every other Wednesday on, but we haven't since COVID. But that's someone else who can really, you know, when I'm trying to run a company and I'm going through some struggles, he's built a great organization and sold it. He can really get me back to the basics and bring me back down to the ground and say, hey, look, you got to do these things. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And I can vent things off him and be real with him, where sometimes I can't with people in my organization.
7: Yeah, I think Heather and Jason, you guys nailed it. It's, you know, which people have the most influence in our lives or those who are most relative to us? And whether it's our spouses or our children or our parents, Obviously, those types of people have extraordinary influence in our life. And I think, Jason, what you indicated was extremely valuable that, look, we should have multiple mentors, people who sit in the situation that we want to be in. Uh, I always say the fastest way to get somewhere is to find someone that's already there and ask them for directions. And so for me... I have multiple, multiple uh, mentors for specific things. My mom's my mentor on how to be a parent. Napoleon Hill is my mentor to blend the two currencies of money and faith together. Uh, I read The Course in Miracles, which is also every single day a mentor to me to understand forgiveness and the certainty and peace that comes from forgiveness. So I probably have a thousand mentors now in my life, but I'm very specific by taking inventory of my values of what I want and then finding the who that's there or has it, and then being brave enough and humble enough to ask them for help. In other words, to give me directions, you know, whether it's hollow with my podcast or Heather, of course, with extraordinary, she gave me some great tips. Uh, and just, I, the, the, I have to say this because Heather shocked me when I met her the first time, because she just said it like it was. And I, I love the fact that she cared so much about me. I'm going to embarrass myself and, and tell you one of the things that she said with me, uh, she looked down, I was doing the interview, talk about doing videos and she's like, your fingernails are disgusting. You need to cut those. (laughs) And I, 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 I absolutely, I absolutely loved her because literally I've been going all day. And the reason I lost all my money is I took yes from, from everyone as an answer. And nobody would tell me the truth. Meanwhile, you know, my fingernails were long enough to, climb a tree like a bear and nobody told me and here's someone that loved me enough when she first met me to tell me the truth and i've learned so much and i'm not joking my my videos with heather kill it i'm like dying for her to come back and do some more content with me for whatever reason i was like dumbfounded when she said video doesn't work for her because i was thinking hey when i get on clubhouse can i ask heather to do another video with me for super bowl Anyways, I think you should have multiple mentors for a variety of reasons. Even to get your fingernails cut, you got to find the right people.
0: <laughs> Heather, you you have to have a response to
1: that. <laughs> up. Oh, my gosh, What's so funny? Well, it's so sad that that's back when I used to come visit you in California. And then Super Bowl, we were all together here in Miami last year at that radio row. And what an amazing, oh, my gosh, so many amazing events. And I totally forgot that story, but thank you for the
0: shout out. And I would do video with you anytime, my friend.
7: Awesome. I'll hold you to it.
0: Okay. I love it. I love it. I love... It's so cool. Another another thing about influence that is related to this event is the importance of not hoarding your network and expanding your network. So I really like Clubhouse for the fact that I can kind of connect all these people that I know that now a lot of you guys know each other and probably knew each other before me, also met each other because of me. And then now we're all here talking together and that's how you expand your network and improve your relationships. Well, I shocked you guys into silence, so so that's great. So let's let's move on with the questions. Um, you guys are listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. If you do have a question, raise your hand so we can bring you up on stage. Dominic, you're up next. What's your question?
5: Hi, my name's Dominique. I'm from Philadelphia. So I'm just now at a place, David, you said everyone is an influencer. And I'm just now at a place at 34, recognizing, yes, I am an influencer. And I keep finding myself in places where I am a leader surrounded by people that I consider to be more a little bit more smarter than me. I, my question would be, is there any tips that I can use to enhance this natural ability of being an influencer to make it a well-developed skill of mine?
7: Oh, yeah, no, I know. I love that because, yes, you are an influencer and... What you want to do is put yourself in the situation where you're in these clubhouses, where you're being interviewed, where you're leading in your groups, organizations, uh, in person, on the phone, via email, even traditional social media. You can influence people by sharing who you are. You obviously have gotten to an age where you recognize that you are able to inspire people. And that's what an influence is. You're impacting and inspiring people. And also some influencers just motivate, which is getting people up, getting them back up, getting them started, getting them back started. But I believe an influencer has far greater reach in the inspirational side of things to get them there. And I would look for and seek different opportunities with the group of people, the spectrum that most resonates with you, that you want to influence. So if it's kids, second graders, if it's older people, if it's a certain genre of interest, like music or art or whatever it may be, there's so many opportunities in person, on the phone, via email and both traditional and social media to practice being an influencer by picking and choosing and seeking who and what you want to influence.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for your question.
5: I appreciate it because basically your things show up, continue to show up. So I thank
9: you. You got it.
0: Brian, you're up next. How can we help you?
9: I'm actually more listening. I'm a friend of Jason's. I'm sitting on the sideline. I found Dominique's question interesting. Dominique, uh, I just want you to realize that whatever you choose that is your path, that you can make a difference in someone else's life, that's where you need to focus is how can you better their life? People happily want guidance, and they want direction. And it sounds like you have it together. Okay? It's the idea of getting that message across where other people are going to want to follow you. You've got a lot to offer, and I think that, really, you can make a difference in the world, but you have to isolate what you can do for them and make that very clear, because you can't be everything for everybody. And I thought that, David, you're a very, very, very sharp guy. Listening to you, I'm blown away, um, and I'm glad your nails are all fixed. So, thank Heather. Money, <laughs> Heather, you did a great job. I, I have the honor to work with Jason as well as other people. I'm not, you know, I, I find my interest in helping high net worth people, people that uh, people don't listen to, and or, you know, or they don't listen to others that's the kind of people that I like to be around. So I'm listening to a bunch of very successful people. So I'm blown away and I'm glad I'm part of this group. That's all I had to say.
1: Brian, I'm interested to know, were you able to recruit the Dalai Lama to get Jason to start meditating? Cause it must've taken some serious force to get that to happen.
9: I push Jason and Jason needs to be pushed. And he knows that. And I push him to different ways of thinking. But I have to tell you, he's one of the brightest guys I know. Not school-wise, but he understands how to move the needle and how to move others. And for that, I I have enormous respect for him, and he knows that. And it's being able to make a difference in people like that that I find joy in. I mean, there's nothing better. Uh, Jason makes more money than I do. That's great. I'm thrilled for him. Jason makes more money than
0: all of us do. Probably all of this clubhouse combined.
9: (laughs) (laughs) But I I will tell you one thing. This man never forgets his roots. And if I could give people advice, there's a a website to go to. And I want everybody who's on this call to go to 21suggestions.com. And take a look at there's 21 things you should read. And I read that at least three to four times a week to remind myself the type of person I want to be. I will never let money interfere with the type of person that I want to be. You only live once, you can only spend so much money. After that, it's about being a better person and what can you give back to others. So I want everybody to think about that. Take a look at that 21suggestions.com. Feel free to... I, I think I put my phone number and my email on there if anyone wants to reach out, but it's an honor listening to all of you.
3: Thank you, Brian, for such a kind words, dude. And like I said, Brian's my CEO coach. I get to bounce things off him when I'm struggling or need some some kick or push or pull. So he helps me. I appreciate it, B.
0: Thanks, Brian. Thanks for sharing some valuable nuggets to everyone. Everybody tuning in, you're listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. We're just about to wrap up this session on influence and negotiation. We're answering some questions from the audience right now. So Francis, how can we help you?
5: Hi, I wanted to ask David if you could recommend a few podcasts that exemplify some of the principles that you've talked about.
7: You know, on the podcast side, there's so many, I mean, some of them are here like Jason and Heather, Paula, you know, it varies. I'm more a person that utilizes audio books. So I'll study Napoleon Hill. I listen to Dr. Wayne Dyer. I study the course of miracles, James clear atomic habits. You know, I, I, I love listening to my friends like Tom Bilyeu at my lead Gary V those are great podcasts in all their respects. I think. There's also the sport of religion, which I really like with Deepak and his son, Gotham. But I think I get more out of than the, the podcast side because of the interview aspect of it. And that's what I do all day long. I get more out of old school Napoleon Hill, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Course in Miracles. The strong philosophies that I have are historically based in understanding your values And really is where I came up with the components of gratitude, which gives me perspective, forgiveness with peace and certainty, accountability gives me control, and then the understanding of inspiration, meaning that I'm connected to this great source of light, love, and lessons that comes through me to others. Now, all the podcasts that I listen to, in some way, in some variance, with their own frequency, are intertwined with the same philosophy that generally says... Be gracious, be forgiving, be accountable, and be inspired. Be the best that you can be. Desire to be the best that you can be. I always say, enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of your own potential. And each of those podcasters, I think, indicate very nicely the potential they have and the message that they give to help others. So, any of them are good, uh, but I'm, I'm more partial to reading and audiobooks.
1: That's even beautiful. Thank you. I need to jump in here and hold you accountable as my friend. You did apologize to Francis because you couldn't hear her. You know our mantra, which is we oh, shift yeah. to gratitude. We never apologize. <laughs> Damn
7: it. That's the second great. <laughs> wait, no, no. I got to tell people that's the second best lesson <laughs> that I learned. And I didn't know who told me that, Heather, because I use it all the time. You say, thank you for your patience. Don't apologize. And I've used that a hundred times. And I'm like, yeah, some woman gave me that. I forget who it was. Now I know publicly, this is David Meltzer. Heather Monahan's a genius. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she is. She is the best. So I'm going to wrap this up with one last question. We have Alexandra Carter who just joined. She's uh, the world's number one female negotiation expert. We have Heather here, the number one female confidence expert. And then we have Jason and David here who are two very powerful successful men so i want to ask you guys does negotiation and influence vary between men and women and maybe alexandra probably has a lot to say and maybe she can kick it off
3: yeah i think she should kick it off females first oh man
10: okay well toss a softball to
3: me Hala, <laughs> to get it
10: started so hi everyone i'm so happy to be here um please call me alex i teach negotiation at columbia law school and at a variety of places around the world all from my home office in New Jersey now, sitting in front of the computer. So I like to really engage with the question and to ask, what do we consider to be power and influence? You know, the the thing that I like to remind people is that when you show up at the negotiation table, and most of the times these days it's a virtual table, did you bring all of who you are to that table and so your gender certainly would be one piece of that and there have been certain observed differences between men and women and the way they negotiate but that's not the only identity that people bring to the table they bring a variety of different identities right cultural and religious and educational and the way your family viewed conflict or negotiation and so The advice that I give people is to bring your fullest self to the table. There is research to show that when you're negotiating authentically, like when you're not putting on a persona, that you're going to be at your most effective. And then beyond that, I think there are things that both men and women can learn from each other. I will say that I have coaches and mentors and the ones who are men sometimes encourage me to be bold especially with my price and with monetary terms and i think that some of my coaches who are women are experts at gaining trust and so there's always something for us to learn
0: learning is great negotiation i think that's awesome now does jason or david have anything to say about uh, go, go.
7: I'll go hey, unless you want. to hey, Jace, go. Jace, can I can I just squeeze in because I got to yeah, jump and I love everybody, but I, I, my only perspective is I have tried and learned to look at feminine energy and masculine energy. I think I've damaged myself by looking at kind of men separate from women, and when I started to look introspectively on, you know, where's you know my feminine energy and where's my masculine energy, it's really helped me in negotiation. It's also helped me to illuminate who I am. Uh, It's probably why I cry so easily. And I have, you know, different aspects to my personality that I never thought I would in my thirties. And now that I'm in my fifties, I'm very comfortable with it. And so I think it's important if people in negotiation, in influence can identify that we all have these energies within us. And it actually, I think brings us closer together and allows us to have better relationships, with ourselves and with other people of different sexes and religions and understandings and socioeconomic bias, whatever it may be, when we really understand our own energies, then we can, I think, align better in all circumstances. So I have to jump. I just want to say thank you to Hala, Heather, Jason, Alexandra, Jen, who's not here anymore, and every single person that joined me. Please reach out to me anytime if you need anything. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. I'll see you guys next week.
0: Thanks, right. David. Thanks, David.
7: Thank you. That's
3: hard to follow, but I'm going to (laughs) try. Alexandra and David's answers were pretty tough. I'm going to say based on hiring and firing thousands of sales reps in the three companies I've built, female, male, I always feel like females do a little better on a percentage basis. And I think a lot of it is a trust factor. They're not too pushy. I talked about it earlier in today's world. You don't need to be such an aggressive salesperson anymore you It's not that but with all the information at your fingertips with you know people reviewing and 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 looking up information, they want to be educated and they just want to feel they can trust people and I think that it depending on the situation. I think that most women, when they come into a home, an in-home type sales, I think that they do a little better than men. So, I mean, that's just my opinion based on the results. I think they do that just because of the trust factor. Most men get too aggressive, get too desperate to try to get the deal, try to talk too fast, where most women are better listeners, in my opinion. So they're able to listen and then negotiate the deal.
0: Got it. So what I'm hearing is that women are better than men, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this live episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. I want to thank everybody who joined me from the moderators today. We had David Meltzer, Jennifer Cohen was here earlier, Heather Monahan, Jason Waller, Alex Carter just joined last minute and we got to squeeze a question in with her. So that was great. Sorry about any of the app glitches. Um, Hopefully this app, you know, will provide perform better over time because I think we all love it here. But experiencing these glitches are tough sometimes. But thank you all for tuning in to Young and Profiting Podcast. And I hope you found this session valuable and you can check out the recording next week on Young and Profiting. Thank you, guys.
3: Yes, thank you, guys, everybody for coming on. And thank you, Hala and team for hosting us. Thank you to David and Jennifer and Alexandria and Heather and Brian when he jumped on. You know, thanks to all of the folks that came in and followed us and listened. And hopefully you guys got some nuggets out of there. Make sure you check out the Young and Profiting podcast. You can also check out that True Underdog podcast. Bam.
0: Yeah, you could check out Heather Monahan's podcast, Creating Confidence. And do us a favor, follow us here on Clubhouse. Click the always on bell so that you know when we're gonna be hosting rooms. You can also follow us all on Instagram. We're always posting up really motivational and inspirational content. And if you have questions about podcasting or anything like that, you can always DM me, shoot me a question and I'm always happy to answer. So shout out to everybody who tuned in and listened. This is Hala and all of our moderators signing off. Thank you. Bye.